Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Last Christmas, our kids got this arcade game from Rachel's dad, and it was the best present my kids ever got, in my opinion. I mean, I, I, I have to admit, I assumed ownership, and I played the heck out of that thing. I got all the high scores on all the games that matter. There's a few games that didn't matter that someone else did. But anyway, for two months, I played the heck out of that thing. And then, I, then all of a sudden, it was just kind of like, meh. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. I don't know if you had anything, a possession, a house, a car, whatever, and it was amazing. And then all of a sudden, as time went on, you just kind of like took it for granted. It was just kind of like, ah. you know, like consider like our phones. Like you probably know this, you probably heard this. Like our phones have more power and technology than all of the computers that NASA had to put a man on the moon. I mean, absolutely amazing. Uh, they had this room full of computers, each one of these computers costing $3.5 million with only 64 kilobytes of memory. Our phones are these amazing machines, but let's be honest, it's kind of like, eh, you know, it's just an, it's just an iPhone X. I mean, it's not like the 12 or anything or whatever's now. I don't know what model it is. So that's one thing, though, to, to think that way about technology. It's a whole other ballgame to think that way about the creator of the universe. So what we want to talk today. David has a solution for us. David, here in Psalm 103, David is feeling that himself. He's uh, he's aged. This is toward the end of his life. He's writing the psalm, and he's finding that his soul has kind of grown um, not enthused about the greatness of God. He he knows a lot of facts about God, and quite frankly, he's grown bored of those facts. So his solution is to speak to himself, to speak to his soul, to wake up. He is calling himself to praise the Lord. We know the character of God from his word, and he is good, and and we can feel these things, and we can know these things, and we have to speak to our souls to wake up. Uh, There's an old British preacher, uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, said that the problem is, is that we often listen to ourselves when we need to be speaking to ourselves. We, we allow our emotions to be the rudder of our lives, but there are times where we need to speak to our souls to say, soul, wake up. And that's what David's doing here in the psalm. He is speaking to his soul. What's the matter with you? Why are you so dull? Why, are you, why do you keep forgetting the goodness of God? So how do we not forget? How do we stay in this place where our uh, emotions are appropriating what God has done for us. There's two things we need to do. Number one, we need to choose to remember God's goodness. David sets the stage for us uh, by, by saying in verse two, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, which are many. And he goes on to list 17 things um, in particular. There's obviously more benefits from that, but these are the ones that come to mind. And, and actually, I would encourage you to do that. I uh, learned... 
uh, from a mentor early on that, man, when you start every day, just start with a little bit of gratitude. Thank you, God, for the chair. Thank you, God, for the air conditioning. Thank you, God, for the sunshine that warms the earth and causes things to grow. Thank you, Lord, for these clothes. Thank you for, I don't have a watch, but if I did, thank you, Lord, for this watch. And thank you, Lord, for my family. Thank you, Lord, for my health. Thank you, Lord, that my arm works, that my leg works. And, and, and thank you, Lord, for you. Thank you, Lord, for my salvation. Thank you, Lord, that I'm forgiven for my sin. Thank you that I have a purpose. Thank you I have a family. Thank you that I have a spiritual family and I'm gonna be with you one day. I mean, just on and on and on. It just begins to explode out of you. And that's what David does and that's what you and I need to do. We need to daily consider who God is and allow our hearts to be enthused by that. And so David goes on with his list. So if, you're li- if you don't have a list, one thing you can do, is you can open up this Psalm. He has a list and he starts in verse three. He says, this is a God who forgives all your iniquity. I don't know if you caught that small word. It's very short, but it packs a punch and it's the word all. He does not just remove some of your iniquities. He removes all of your iniquities. God knew everything about David. We talked about this last week in Psalm 51. Um, It was David's prayer of repentance because he murdered, he uh, committed adultery, he uh, assaulted, he lied, he was sinful. God knew all of this and David had the ability to say that he has forgiven all of my sin. I don't know what you've done, uh, but I know this. God can forgive all of your sin, past, present, and future. Through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, all of our sins is possible. He forgives our sins and he heals our diseases, all of our diseases. It's just a matter of when. It'll either happen now or it will happen in the consummation of all things. My brothers and sisters, we may, not, may we not lose sight of the fact that one day God will wipe away every tear. He will remove disease and pain and suffering and hatred and murder. It will all be gone in really this life is a moment and we will experience it. He heals it. He heals all of our diseases. He redeems. We need to remember that he redeems our life. Redeem is a theological word that just simply means he buys you back. He stepped into our world to purchase us with his own life. He has taken me, he's taken my life out of the pit with all my cravings, with all my addictions, with all my sins and problems. He bought me. He bought me out of the pit and he brought me into a new life. He's redeemed my life. He's purchased me with this blood. I'm not an enemy. I'm not an orphan. I am a son of God. My life has been redeemed. If you are in Christ, your life has been redeemed. But he doesn't stop there. He crowns you. He puts a crown on you in its love and mercy. You did not deserve this royal treatment of compassion and love, but he treated this he treated you this way. He treats us this way. He crowns us with love and mercy. He satisfies, God satisfies with good things that we've so much so that we feel renewed like an eagle. These are the benefits that we have in Christ Jesus. He has made it possible. He has given us these things. He heals, he redeems, he, he loves us. He gives us new mercies. He gives us satisfaction And it's in the middle that we need to begin to to work, to speak to our soul the goodness of God, remind ourselves, not letting ourselves forget the goodness of God. He continues in verse six, the Lord, he works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. That's why the gospel is good news, good news for the poor and the prisoner, the the beaten down, the forgotten. Uh, He works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He may 
Then he goes back to the past. He says, he made known his ways to Moses. He acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. That's actually a quote from uh, Exodus 34. David here is pointing to the history of God's faithfulness to his people, which David is taking ownership of. He didn't live back in Moses' day, but he is taking ownership. He's looking back at the faithfulness of God, back at past grace to um, assure himself of future grace. He's talking about personal blessings, but now he's talking about corporate blessings. And uh, we can look back here at Jubilee Church, we can look back at our 24-year history to see the faithfulness of God. You know, in the early years, we didn't know if we were gonna make it or not. It was Sunday by Sunday. Will people show up? Will people connect? Will this thing happen? Will the money be there? And it was tenuous and it was challenging. I would encourage you to go find someone who was here then and, and, and ask them to tell you about what those days were like so that you can be encouraged in the faithfulness of God. And then after the early years, there were the transitional years. You know, we, we were in this kind of, we were in Webster Groves, which if, you're, if you don't know where Webster Groves, it's just kind of this little neighborhood. We're kind of in this little building packed away. And then we moved from the suburbs into the city, into, um, uh, out of the shadows, into a place of, of, of visibility and, and seeing and, and difference. And, and we've seen God do amazing things. They were transitional because they went from an experienced leader to to me, 29-year-old me, um, and all this transition through all this different things, God kept us, and he, and, he, and he grew us, and he expanded us, and then there were the multiplication years where we multiplied services, when we were multiplying locations and, and uh, renting out so many, to, I can't even, t I mean, we've rented out every building in, in the St. Louis area and, and all throughout uh, this region, and, and on this weekend, July 11th, we are... Um, opening up a new facility in Sunset Hills, their very first physical permanent location. The provision and the grace of God is awesome. And it, we, can take, we can look at our own lives and look at personal blessings, but we can look at our corporate life. Even if you've only been around six months, you can take ownership of what God has done in our past. But it's not even just our church. It's the history of the church. I mean, when you look at the early church, Rome should have snuffed us out. And they tried, but they didn't. God kept us. God saved us. And all throughout the you know, the, the Middle Ages and all the things that went left and right and just all over the place, God kept us. He, God kept us and God expanded us and, and moved us out into the world and to all the nations and all the continents. In fact, Christi Christianity alone stands unique in its geographical and racial diversity. Most religions are concentrated in its place of origin. Not so with Christianity. It's all over the map, in fact, the place where we started in the Middle East, that's where we have our least representation. But God moved us out. And we can look at the faithfulness of God in, in Christian history as well as our personal church history and our personal lives to see the faithfulness and grace of God so that we can be confident in the future grace of God. Verse nine, he will not chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Isn't that great? People always say, man, I don't get what I deserve. Isn't that great that you don't get what you deserve? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. I have had the pleasure to traveling to places like Asia and Africa, but I gotta be honest, I dread the 12 to 16 hour plane rides. And that's just east to west 
on a part of our planet, but how far apart is east and west in all of eternity? No one knows. That's how far he's removed your sin from you. Verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Uh, anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He's just so loving to us. Uh, all I have to do is look into one of my daughter's eyes and she gets the world from me. And this is me, an earthly father. How much more, how much more will God treat us with compassion? He loves us. He, he, we're like, our, he is, we are his kids, which is why we need to remind ourselves, man, we, God loves us. He, he understands us. So the first remedy to not forgetting is to remember the goodness of God. Secondly, though, we need to remember our weakness. The flip side of forgetting God's goodness is magnifying our own strength. And sometimes we need to, like David, remind ourselves of our frailty. And so he says that we are just like dust, that we are frail and we are weak and we are insignificant. We are like flowers that get pushed away by the wind. But our heavenly father, so it's important that we understand our weakness, but we have to also understand that God doesn't, God understands our weakness and he doesn't treat us, he treats us according to that weakness. Like, you know, when my kids are younger, um, they would draw pictures of, of myself and, you know, give them to us and, and they would present it like, daddy, it's you. And in their, and in their mind, this is like a masterpiece, right? Except when you look at this, I'm like, I don't know if my head's really that. I mean, it's big, but it's not that big, is it? And like, you know, like my, my, my fingers are like claws and, you know, like one leg is like half the size of the other and it's kind of this distorted picture um, and I love the innocence of that. I love the, the, the enthusiasm that they have. Um, and I, when they give me this picture, what I don't do is like, this is terrible. You know, what do you, you think you're an honor, artist? Are you kidding me? This is awful. Sorry if you're listening. I, I don't say that. I'm like, this is amazing. Thank you so much for this picture. You did so well. You are an amazing artist. And that's how God treats us. That's why it's in there. We need to understand their weakness. And God, God doesn't hold our weaknesses against us, but he does treat us that knowing that we are like dust. There are 22 verses in this psalm, and there are only two that describe who we are. Dusty little flowers taken away by the wind. And it's not that we don't matter to God, but it's important that we remind ourselves of our weaknesses, that we can't forget the greatness of God, his strength, and we can't forget our weakness. That's why, you know, throughout the Psalms, and, and sometimes it's in our, in our contemporary songs, that let us magnify the Lord. Why would we magnify the Lord? Well, we don't, you know, to magnify something is to, is to show it as bigger, and we don't show God as bigger. He is big. It's just the fact that we see him as so small in our lives and our problems is so big, and we need to do the opposite, and that's what David is doing here. Um, and we need not to be afraid of this. Uh, author and Bible teacher Nancy Guthrie describes so accurately the truth of our weakness in connection with his strength. She says, I am not strong. However, I am tethered to someone who is strong. 
I am not holding on to hopes in terms of positive perspective about the future or an eight sense of optimism, but rather holding on to the living person of Jesus Christ. I am grabbing hold of the promises of God, his purposes and his provision, and refusing to let go. This is why Paul was able to say, I boast in my weakness. I boast in my weakness, knowing that when I am weak, he is strong. Our weakness, in other words, is not a barrier to strength. It's actually the doorway to strength, namely his strength. He goes on, David, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him and on his righteousness to his children's children, verse 18, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. You see, faith is not simply believing in God, but it's believing God. And there's a difference. It's not just believing facts about God. Yeah, I believe that God exists, but it's believing in him. It's, it's faith. It's, it's walking him out. We have to stop thinking of, uh, as faith as pure, purely a mental thing. It is mental affirmation to who God is, but it's more than that. It's trusting him. So do you trust him? Do, do you trust him when he says he'll never leave you or forsake you? Do you trust him when he says he'll take care of all of your needs? Do you trust him when he says he'll provide you a way of escape in all temptation? Do you trust him with your finances, knowing that he will pour out blessing? Do you trust him when you feel alone and he will be with you? When you begin to realize how weak you are, your dependence on God grows more and more. And this is a good thing because if dependence is the goal, our weakness is our advantage. We will mess up. We will drop the ball. We'll struggle in this life of faith. But through his covenant, and this covenant is something that he has promised to fulfill. Because of his covenant, we know that even in our failures, he promises to be with us. And that is something worth never, ever Forgiving. And I just want to apply this before we get into the, the final point. So how do we do this? How do we walk this out? Well, this means a couple things. One is, one is, is that we need to daily speak the truth to ourselves through God's word. We can't, we can't let our feelings determine how we think and how we act. We need to allow God's word to shape our thinking, to shape our conscience. So every day, you and I, we need to find a place. We need to find a time and we need to get on a plan to read God's word every day and then pray that to our soul and even and, and speak it to our souls and, and be in that place of worship and intimacy. You know, you know, before, you know, before we get into a corporate sense to worship, we need to have our hearts full of God. So one is that we have to speak truth to ourselves daily. Secondly, if, if you get on that plan, you know that you need other people around you to speak truth to you too. That's why we have community groups. But even more than community groups, you need a, a group, a, a tight-knit group of two or three people who are speaking truth to you in the crevices. I mean, the percentage of Americans who, who now say that they have no friends is just skyrocketing by the decade, and that's worse among men our autonomy could be helping our bottom line, but it's absolutely destroying our soul. And you need people around you. You need friends around you. You need to speak truth to yourself, but you need other friends to speak truth to you. And then when you do this, when you're, when you have, when you're speaking truth and you're around other people who are speaking truth to you and you are not forgetting who God is and you're not forgetting uh, who you are, not forgetting his strength and not forgetting your weakness, when you begin to do this, you can no longer 
settle for just calling your own soul to bless the Lord. But it expands and you begin to start calling the nations and the and neighbors and the world to worship God. I mean, that's where he goes. In verse 20, he says, bless the Lord, O you angels, mighty in strength to perform his word. So he, he starts out uh, 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 speaking to his own soul and then he moves out and he begins to speak to the angels. He begins to speak to all of his works and in all places of dominion. And there's a principle of worship that, man, I really need you to understand. And that is that worship is expansive. There's something about worship that wants to expand in your own life and wants to expand into the world. God put that in there, which is why a person who is content to worship on their own is absolutely confusing from a biblical perspective. Once you speak to your soul, like David, you are no longer content for you to worship, but you're, you, you wanna share that with neighbors, you wanna share that with the world until all of the world is coming under the sway of the worship of God, and we know that's where it's ending. We know that where this is all heading, well, all of history is heading to a place where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So worship begins with the revelation of God by God, and, you know, he, he, he reveals himself and, and we kind of see a part of this and, and then we begin to worship that, worship him and, and in light of that revelation and, and there's something in us though that feels this frustration because like we don't worship as we ought and so we speak to ourselves like, come on soul, I want all of myself to worship the Lord. I don't just want half of me, I just want part of me, I just want half my heart, I just want half my energy, I want all of me but then worship doesn't stop with you, it's Expansive. We want worship to expand until it takes over our being and it takes over our neighborhoods, our cities, our nation, and even the universe. When you see the greatness of God, you'll begin to speak like David did, to the angels, to, the, to all dominions, to all of his works and all places to worship the Lord. The joy of worship is expansive, which means not only is the natural overflow of worship to be in a group. And I hope that you find yourself in a group of people, but it's just that it becomes evangelistic. And so that's why we structured our church around this kind of response. Speaking to ourselves daily in the word, gathering together in, in groups, having people speak truth to us, the truth of God's word, getting together in corporate worship to, to allow what's in our heart to just become uncorked and to encourage each other in a, in a larger setting. But not, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop within four walls. It must get out into the streets. It must flow like a river. That's where this is all heading. And so we um, structure church. So our, the mission of our church is that we want all people to know God. Why do we want all people to know God? Because once we taste of who God is, we know our natural overflow is to want to speak it to the nations. We want all people to know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. That's why if you're new to us, I need you. I need you for your next step to get in growth track so you can discover how you too can get on this. Once you get a revelation of who God is, you will speak to your soul. You'll want to get in all these environments. You'll, you'll, you'll want to talk to your neighbor about who God is. You're gonna wanna talk to the nations. God may do more in and through you. In fact, I know he will. He will do more in and through you than you can ever hope or imagine. And growth track is the next step because we wanna show you how God may wanna do that. So here's what I want us to do. With all this talk about who God is, I want us to go into 
another brief time of worship where we can speak to our souls and allow our souls to express the greatness of God. Let me pray and then we'll worship again. God, I just thank you for who you are. Thank you for your self-revelation in your word. God, our, we know facts about you, but God, we just admit that we, are, we've, we can grow bored of those facts. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would be men and women who daily speak truth to ourselves, who daily speak truth to our souls about the greatness of you and our own weakness, admitting our weakness, knowing that that's not the barrier to strength, but actually the doorway to strength, which is you. You know who we are, you know that we're weak, and you treat us, you love us, just like a compassionate father, like a hen, just gathering up these little yellow balls of chickens, vulnerable, squashable, Lord, you gather us in like a good father, majestic and compassionate, majestic and humble you are. What a amazing picture of your glory. I pray that warm our hearts. And I pray, Lord, as, we, as, as the fire begins to stoke in our own hearts, I pray that we would be this for others, that we would speak truth to one another in groups in Sunday morning. But God, the nations, the angels, all dominions, all the works need to know you. Every knee will bow. God, I pray, will you use us to gather worshipers to you. You're an amazing God, a loving God. We thank you for all your blessings. Amen.